Chapter 10. The Fiery Spaceship Katie watched Wraith drift to sleep. His face relaxed and he no longer looked like a strict, stubborn warrior, but instead like a young boy who was tired out from a day of adventuring. Katie imagined Wraith's future son would look this way. It didn't take long for Katie to sense an opportunity for some unrestricted exploring. Jane had fallen asleep on Wraith's chest. Lynx and Alec were still awake and were locked in deep conversation about 90s dance music. Katie crept up to them and whispered, Guys, let's go. Lynx flexed a devious smile and said, Waiting until the boss is asleep to sneak away. Very stealth ninja-like. She gave a devious look back, and Lynx felt the feeling. She said, I can hear a small party over there. We should go and see what it is. Lynx and Alec did not take much persuading. They crept over to the east side of the camp, which was surrounded by a tall, three-metre grass. Lynx parted the grass and said, I don't think it's far through here. The noise sounds quite close. Before they had all crept into the parted opening, another whisper stopped them. Hey guys, can I come? Harry, a South team player, had spotted their escape. Katie quickly recognising that if any more were to notice, the secret exploration would be revealed. She said, Come quickly, before anyone notices. Pushing the long grass to the side, they crept through. Reggae music blared straight ahead, and Lynx, who was leading the pack, eagerly ventured to it. Look, guys, it's awesome, Lynx said from the front. Emerging from the tall grass, the explorative group walked into another encampment. It was smaller in size, with just a few tents. Bob Marley's jammin played aloud from a tall fir tree that commanded the centre of the camp. Its large old roots gripped the soil and its wide branches provided shelter for a group of men huddled together underneath. Over there, let's go and see what these dudes are up to, Lynx said eagerly. Katie hopped and skipped without fear towards the group. Alec was apprehensive. To him, this encampment seemed hidden and tucked away, like it was purposely being concealed. The fir tree branches and its fir needle canopy covered Katie and her group. Four men sat huddled on a log. One was strangely dressed up like an astronaut. One was strangely dressed like an astronaut. On approach, all four men casually looked up. They were unfazed and at ease with their new unexpected guests. Katie glanced over them. She immediately judged they weren't a threat and were even slightly shy of her. Hey, said the man dressed in a spacesuit. His helmet was on the dusty, muddy floor next to him. Katie answered, Hey, what are you up to? She knew to play it cool. Smoking grass? Want some? What grass is that? The four men very slowly laughed together, in a low-pitched tone. A man who was dressed in a camouflage jacket and hair gelled into dreadlocks said, All the grass around, the grass in Festavia is buff. Buff? she asked. They all laughed again, even more slowly. The man dressed in the spacesuit said, You know, good, excellent, and awesome. That's new one to me. It's okay, buff women never know the lingo. Katie guessed he was implying she was attractive, and his lingo was cool slang used exclusively for grass-smoking spaceman. Katie wasn't too keen on smoking grass, so she changed the subject by asking, What's with the buff outfit? As if he'd forgotten he was wearing it, the man in the spacesuit inspected his own costume and replied, Oh, yeah, I'm an astronaut. We all are. We're going to fly to that planet out there. 
and he pointed through the branches to a shining dot in the night sky. Lynx was standing in earshot of Katie and whispered, I think these guys are baked, a term for heavily under the influence of drugs. Where's your ship? asked Katie. Yeah, we're working on it. We use the grass to reveal the mysteries of space travel. There are just so many calculations that need to be done. If you want, you can check out the prototype. It's in the tent. And he pointed to a large tent a few metres away. Katie said, I'd like to see it. No worries, but don't touch anything. It's fragile. Seasons of work have been put into it. Harry was curious about the grass, so he stayed with the spacemen. Katie and Lynx stepped into the tent. The inside was lit only by four hanging candles and placed in the centre was the ship. Silver foil wrapped around the ship's exterior, a cockpit large enough to fit two pilots perched on top of the metre-high structure. Coloured LED lights and a games controller were its controls. Lynx could not contain his laughter, so he covered his mouth and composed himself to say, "'It's made from cardboard. These guys have me going.' I thought they were serious. Katie wasn't laughing. She was looking at the ship like she looked at Blue, adoringly. I think they are serious. They think they are really going to fly to another planet. Very sweet boys. Katie, I don't think they are boys. They must be old enough to work. This is total madness. But that's for Stavia for you. Let's join their party. Upon returning, Katie asked, What's your names, boys? The man in the spacesuit answered, Seb. The man wearing the camouflage jacket said, Danny. And the other two went very quiet. Seb decided to answer for them. They are called Matt and Chris. They are selective mutes. Katie and Lynx introduced themselves and she accepted a rolled joint, which was grass wrapped in smoking paper. She sucked on its thinner end, swirled the smoke around her mouth and blew it out. You didn't take it down, Seb said. She felt pressured, the spaceman wanted her to take a proper drag. Katie sucked deep on the joint once more. This time, smoke flooded her clean lungs, which reacted violently to the new invasive toxins. Smoke bellowed in violent spurts from her chest. She coughed and spluttered whilst Lynx rubbed her back. Seb laughed slowly and said, You just need to kill the hairs in your lungs. You mean the cilia, said Katie. Yeah, brains as well as beauty. Buff. Take another drag. It should be easier. The group's total focus was on her. She didn't like this type of attention. She felt pressured again. She eventually replied, I like my little throat hairs. I'll let you enjoy it for yourself. Seb took a deep drag on the joint and sucked oxygen into the brightening red carcinogenic ember. At that moment, Katie noticed that Seb's teeth were stained yellow and his fingers were stained green. It made her internally grimace. Harry had settled in by smoking a joint with the two selective mutes. Seb turned his attention to Lynx and said, Hey Lynx, want some? It's not really my thing. I'm all about the energy. This stuff makes me tired. You might as well. It's a chilled evening, no parties going on, just a bit of bob and smart convo. Hmm, okay then. Several joints later, Katie had been subjected to various mad convo topics, such as how to travel back in time and a conspiracy theory of how we are taught to breathe from birth, but we actually don't need to. Chris, a selective mute, tried to prove the theory, but fainted. Katie felt isolated and bored. She wasn't interested in talking to any of them. She wished there were some girls to talk to. 
Katie didn't usually socialise with other girls, but now she would do anything for some female company. Why isn't there any other girls here? interrupted Katie during a convo about how the snow-worn mountains was actually created by aliens, so they could watch them all safely from their own climate. Seb was silent long enough for Danny to answer. I had a girlfriend once. What happened? She didn't like my friends. Seb quietly seethed and said, Damn girls, they always cause problems, wanting to change us, make us do things for them and listen to their problems. This is my girl right here and he held his joint high like a trophy. Danny didn't agree. Do you miss her, Danny? asked Katie. Yeah, now and again. I've been meaning to go and get her back, but I never get around to it, Katie replied. You seem like a nice guy, and if you wash your hair, attractive too. I think you may need to change a little to win her back. Seb was unsettled by this new convo and said, Blatantly, now let's change the convo and smoke some buff joint. Katie understood the group's dynamic. Seb was the alpha male, Danny was the omega, and the two selective mutes were the self-imposed beta males. There was an order of hierarchy. Katie learnt these terminologies from girls' magazines she read in university lectures. For the hierarchy to exist, there must be a purpose, a reason which binds the group. Their purpose was to get baked and plan a fanciful dream of space travel. They had each other for companionship and grass to pass the time. The grass numbed their needs to better themselves. It made them content and happy with being idle. Katie surprised herself with her analysis. She had only just met these men, but she felt she knew them already and she didn't fancy being the fifth spaceman. Several more joints later and Katie had become even more bored. The group's attitude had changed from humorous to paranoid. Seb had made several remarks about Katie staring at him, which she wasn't. She felt it was time to go. Hey, it's late. I'd better go before Wraith wakes up and panics, said Katie, standing up from her hard spot on the log. Lynx agreed and said, OK, let's get Harry and go. He's in the tent looking at the spaceship. Harry emerged from the tent. All eyes were trained on him. He felt like he was walking onto a pitch. He enjoyed the attention. With one hand, he combed his long hair back. Harry became surprised as all the faces looked shocked. He said, What's up, guys? He turned around to see the spaceship tent had gone up in flames. Damn, I must have knocked a candle, said Harry. No, cried Seb as he ran towards the tent. Seb dropped to his knees, cradling his tear-ridden face and said, My life's work. Lynx tried helping Seb to his knees, but he refused. So Lynx tried to calm him by saying, Mate, it's only a cardboard prototype. I'm sure you can make another. You're mad. That was a ship. Danny and I were going to fly it tonight. You three have been nothing but bad news. Coming to my camp, talking behind my back, trying to split up my space adventure group. Everyone began coughing from the smoke. It was intoxicating. The grass was dry and the fire spread very quickly. Before they knew it, fire was almost everywhere. Katie realised that they were in the middle of dense long grass, which had enough fuel to become a huge inferno. We'd better leave now cried Katie. We can't leave the space station, screeched Seb. You stupid boy, you will die here if you don't come. Crying like a boy, Katie dragged him into the long grass. The smoke had baked them all, which meant they soon lost their way. Fire encircled them from all directions. Katie's heart fluttered. Can I die in Festavia, she thought. She looked at Lynx for reassurance. His large smile had vanished to just a flat line. 
The selective mutes screamed and wailed like choir singers, which deafened everyone. The flames crept and burned closer. Katie felt the heat begin to burn her face. Vestavia had turned from a dream to a lucid nightmare. The spacemen, Lynx, Harry and Katie, knelt together in a circle and breathed the last clean air. Katie saw that everyone was terrified. Lynx, in an uncharacteristically glum manner, said, There's no way out. The selective mutes wailed again in desperation. Katie! A deep voice echoed from far and, Mummy! followed after. Wraith! Blue! screamed Katie, but her voice was hoarse to be heard. Wraith! The selective mutes screamed. The grass around them started to shake, and the soaked blue, and mounted on her back, appeared across Wraith, peering down at them over the long grass. Wraith commanded, Everyone climb on! Katie, give me your hand now! Katie momentarily paused, and Wraith lambasted her by saying, This is no time for sassiness. Get on! Wraith and Blue carried them to safety. To protect themselves from the fire, the two rescuers were soaked from plunging themselves into a nearby pond. They reached the safety of the encampment, and luckily the fire did not follow, because eagles appeared from high above, dropping large water balloons on the fire. Because smoking grass was prohibited, the spaceman scuttled quickly off into the darkness. They feared that the bureaucrats, who they owed many grains of time to, would catch and find them. Katie and the others were baked, so they feasted and talked nonsense together until they fell fast asleep. The rising sun shone its rays over the sleeping adventurers, which lay scattered around the smouldering campfire. Katie opened her eyes to see John Greaves standing over them. He was keen for an early start. Quite a fire last night, John Greaves said loud enough to wake them all. Wraith took a while to compose himself. The smoke had made him feel very lethargic. Quite a sight watching those eagles put the fire out. Crowned eagles, I believe they were, said John Greaves. Katie guessed that John didn't sleep through the night and said, Yes, we watched it safely from here. We fell asleep once we saw the arrival of the birds. We were so tired. I'm glad. You have a long day ahead and the team is depending on you, John said, whilst characteristically strolling slowly away without saying goodbye. The match was due to resume when the sun was middle of the sky. John wanted to give his team a short speech and have them out early on the pitch practising. On the way to the stadium, Wraith's head had cleared from the grasses' intoxication. His brain had returned back to functional speed, so he seized a moment to interrogate Katie. What were you doing last night? You left the camp. We never agreed to that. Katie hated being in the wrong, and she did not like being held accountable. She answered, Wraith, I didn't realise I had a bedtime. I thought it was obvious. The night time means rest and no sneaking off. Sneaking off? I shall do what I want, when I want. You are not the boss of me. That I am not, but I am responsible for your safety. If you sneak away, how can I keep you safe? Wraith, I feel bubble-wrapped and suffocated by you. I'm a grown woman. I can handle myself. Last night, Blue and I risked our lives to save you. For Stavia is not an amusement park. It can be dangerous. I don't think you understand that. To her frustration, Katie knew that Wraith was right. She didn't like feeling in the wrong. She felt ashamed and guilty that they had endangered themselves because of her. She wanted to rid herself of these feelings. It wasn't just me you saved. Why am I to blame? Because, Katie, you, of all people, should know better. Without a reply, she left Wraith and marched ahead to join the others.